Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Program. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Well, hello, Patriots. Trebo, President, United Patriot Coin. Today's story time is back in a day when our currency represented real money. What I'm holding in my hand right here is a $10 gold certificate that simply states to pay on demand $10 in gold coin. To make that simple, this was real money and this was a receipt representing real money. Fast forward to today, fiat currency, backed by the government's promise to pay. <laughs> Let you understand that, right? If it was still backed by gold, this one coin would get you 220 gallons of gas at $5 a gallon. I don't have to tell you that that would only get you two gallons of gas. You figure out what's going to get you further. Hard money, fiat currency. As always, stay safe, be prepared. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal program. Y you know, comic books are out there to entertain us. They're meant to be fun. They're meant to maybe give us some hope and aspiration. We've seen kind of the, you know, wokeness kind of creep in in some way shape form and fashion and some of these you know recent movies have been tanking we just saw captain marvel did not do very well so i thought that it would be great to have a conversation with one of the most renowned comic book writers and creators out there and that's chuck dixon chuck dixon is a veteran comic book writer with thousands of titles to his name including a record run on my favorite because my name is Alan West, and of course the original Batman was Adam West, on Batman at DC Comics, where he co-created the villain Bane, one of my favorite villains, and his similar work on the Marvel's The Punisher. He is the author of the best-selling SEAL Team 6 novels from Dynamite. Chuck writes the Joe Frankenstein comic and the Levon Cade series. His right of center views have put him at odds, as with us all, with many in his industry fueled by the progressive socialist left. But his latest for the Ripperverse is the Alpha Core series, the first issue of which sold over $900,000 in its initial opening week just last week. So his leftist detractors can watch him laugh all the way to the bank. Chuck Dixon, thank you so much for taking time to be with us here. Absolutely, absolutely, sir. Now, tell us, uh, how did you get started in this? What inspired you to want to become a, a comic book writer? Because I got to tell you, I admire the skill and the talent uh, because I have no skill and talent whatsoever. You're far too modest. Uh, I, 
I, um, yeah, I never wanted to do anything else. I mean, I was sick a lot as a kid, so I read a lot of comic books. Uh, uh-huh. People would bring me comic books to read. And uh, I just fell in love with the medium, and I just never wanted to do anything else. So I just sort of aimed myself that, at that with, with no plan B. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, the M. Night Shyamalan uh, movie Unbreakable and we remember Samuel L. Jackson's character and how he had a lot of times, you know, breaking the bones and whatever. And his mom got him interested in comic books yeah. early on. Uh, it was kind of interesting how he went off. Uh, but I found that to be a really interesting take on the whole Lex Luthor Superman, you know, uh, juxtaposition. I mean, did you enjoy that series? Oh, it was an interesting idea that a guy tries to basically create a real superhero universe with himself as the central villain. That was a very clever idea. No, it it was. And and then, of course, you know, you went on with Split. uh, And and then, of course, at the end, they brought all of those characters together. So uh, it was was an interesting series. So talk to us about, because like I said, DC Comics, I've always leaned to DC a little bit more than, than Marvel because of, I remember as a kid in Atlanta, when the Batmobile Batmobile came to town and uh, my dad took me to see it, it was just like, you know, an awesome period. How did you get involved with DC Comics? Uh, well, I, I've been writing for, uh, I've been writing Conan at Marvel and a, yeah. uh, a title called Airboy at Eclipse. And uh, the Batman editor, uh, they were going to bring back Robin. They're going to bring a new Robin in. And uh, he wanted a writer who he thought could handle writing a young character. Uh-huh. And he liked how I wrote Airboy, so he basically invited me to uh, try out for the Rob miniseries, and then uh, I never left. I wrote Batman-related titles for 11 years. Now, when you look back at the the Batman series, because I remember when it first came out with Michael Keaton as Batman and, of course, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I, I mean, I'll just never forget that character. You know, how did you see that changing from the Tim Burton style all the way up to what we just saw recently with uh, Christian Bale, and now we've gone on to the new version of the Batman. Well, it just proves the durability of the character. I mean, you've got basically you know, three different auteur, well, actually four different auteur directors have taken a shot at this character. Each one of their efforts are different, and yet it's still Batman. Yeah. Uh, it just shows that you know why this character's been around for decades and decades and decades. Now, I've got to put you on the spot. Because you're a connoisseur of Batman, you know it's coming. Who, in your estimation, was the best Batman? Well, on, on the on the screen, to me, the best to be the best Batman, you have to be the best Bruce Wayne. You have to be yes. convincing as Bruce Wayne. And I thought Michael Keaton, far and away, was the best Bruce Wayne. You know, he had that quirkiness to him that you definitely did not see. I mean, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. I mean, that just did not do it for me. Uh, so I, I I found that to be very interesting that, you know, he did convince you that he was this quirky aristocrat, but then he had this alter ego in Batman. There was always something behind his eyes. Whenever he was Bruce Wayne, ah. he was like there, but you could tell he, he, he was like, I'm not here. I'm an outsider, but I'm watching everything in the room. He, he, Keaton's just an extraordinarily gifted performer. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't get enough credit for uh, his restrained performances and the nuances he puts in a role. Now, so did you enjoy this most recent uh, 
movie film where uh, it was The Flash and they brought Michael Keaton back as Batman. Did you find that entertaining enough? Did you find that true to the story? No, that was that was just a mess. <laughs> the movie was a wreck. <laughs> At least I, I love you. You're honest and to the point. Oh, no, no, no. I can't lie about that. I can't lie about anything to you, sir. But I won't lie about that Flash movie especially. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here as a shill for Warner Brothers. <laughs> there you go. Now, now, in comparison, because you've done work with both, as we talked about, you did Marvel's The Punisher, and you mentioned some others you've done with Marvel, uh, the Conan, the Barbarian, which I still think Arnold Schwarzenegger was robbed. He should have gotten an Academy Award for being Conan. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that which does not kill us only served to make a stronger theme. What is the difference that you have seen over the years now between DC and Marvel being in the comic book uh, aspect, but then also maybe on the screen? Well, these days, there's not much difference. Uh, back when I was working for them, uh, DC Comics, there was a sort of a, a underlying feeling of goofiness to the characters uh -huh. that was endearing. Uh, you know, you have all these really impossible characters like Superman and Green Lantern and things like that, and they would lean into that, and and that was the charm. And uh, as as a Marvel editor once told me, he said the uh, the, the 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 core of Marvel's universe was a self-effacing Jewish sense of humor. And I thought, <laughs> that's accurate. Spider-Man, The Thing, yeah. characters like that uh, seem so human uh, because uh, you know they have a sense of humor, they have flaws, they, they sometimes have feet of clay, sometimes fail. Uh, you know, um, So that used to be the difference, but there's no difference now because basically the same brand of wokesters are running both companies. Now, and that transitions to the next point. When did this wokeism creep into the the comic book industry? I, I mean, it, it pretty much so has gotten into every industry in the United States of America, but to, to include you know our our churches and what have you. But you would just think that in in comic book world that would not be a platform uh, because I remember the one Superman movie that it just tanked because there was all this woke messaging that was in there and what have you. Truth, justice, and all that stuff. I mean, he couldn't even say the American way. I think you right. remember that one. So when did this happen that they started to creep into the comic book industry? Well, in the early 2000s, your older, your old line editors began to retire. And um, the, the reins of both companies were handed over to people who were, the best thing I can say about them is they were indifferent to the quality of the books. Uh, they didn't really offer a direction or leadership. And this leaves a vacuum. And you know what happens when you have a vacuum. It's going to be filled by something. Yeah. And the left is always looking for someplace where they can get in and pull the levers. And that's what happened. They were slowly taken over, like so many other areas in the entertainment industry, by, you know, third wave feminism and, you know, uh, college educated editors uh, who had no interest in the comics themselves. The, these were simply something to be on their resume when they got a job at the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the thing about comics is it, almost all of us who got into it, we're in it for life. This is what yeah. we've, all we've ever wanted to do, and we're not going to stop doing it until they make a stop or the day we die. And that's not true of this new crowd. They're tourists. They're just passing through, and they really don't care about the quality. And it shows. Sales are horrible, worse than they've ever been. 
Well, it kind of reminds me of this idiot marketing person or whatever at Bud Light. Who, <laughs> it, it, I mean, really, when you think about it, it, you're completely detached with your audience and you're making decisions based upon your own ideology or philosophy. And that ends up ruining the brand. Is that right. what you see happening in the comic book industry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's open contempt for what I would call old school readers or the core fans. You know, when the fans complain, uh, the publishers say, well, you're complaining because you're a racist or a homophobe or a bigot. And it's yeah. like, no, I'm complaining because these comics are crap. They're just not even well done. I mean, if you if you had communist propaganda and you wanted to push it in an entertaining way, I'd say, OK, at least you did a good job. But they're not even good at, you know, sending their own message out. Incredible. So let's talk about the character Bane, which when I remember him in, in the movie and, and throughout, he always seemed like the the author of chaos and confusion. He, he seemed to me like your modern day terrorist almost. Yeah. How did you come up with this idea to create Bane? And, and what was the the basic foundation uh, that you wanted Bane to represent, I guess? Well, um, we had a, a two-year-long uh, event called Nightfall in Batman, and we needed a character. Uh, the idea was that Batman gets his back broken, and he, Bruce yeah. Wayne is put out of action for two years. Yeah. And we needed a new villain to, to do that, who had to be Batman's intellectual and uh, physical equal. Uh, otherwise, it didn't make any sense. So uh, I was tasked with creating Bane, uh, who relies on a, a drug called Venom yeah. to give him extra strength. Uh, but he's a brute, he's a monster, he's a scary guy, but he's also a mastermind. He's very much a chess player. Uh, so he was able to thwart Batman uh, both tactically and, and physically. So what ended up being the downfall for Bane? Because I'm sure you had to think about how will the Dark Knight come back and defeat this arch nemesis? Well, you know, in my opinion, Batman can beat anybody if he knows what he's up against. That was Bane's advantage, that Batman did not see him coming initially. Well, now he knew what he was up against. And then uh, he could also exploit Bane's main flaw, which is he's a degenerate drug addict. He's addicted to this venom drug. And that was that was Bane's downfall. So when you saw that portrayed in, in, in the movie by... Uh... Was it Tom Sizemore? Was this? No, it was um uh, oh geez um yeah now I'm skipping on the name too. That's I okay, know. but Tom but, Hardy. Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy, yeah, him and uh, Christian Bale. Was that true to your original idea and concept of the Batman Bane uh, relationship? Yeah, yeah, because they showed Bane as an intellect. They also showed Bane as someone who has to be on top. He's yeah. got to be the top man. He he won't. He's second to nobody. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, in that way, it was accurate. And it was amazing to me. I mean, when you look at maybe you're going to burst my bubble here, but Tom Hardy is not a big physical person. No. But I don't know what type of steroids they gave him, but <laughs> but he was huge in, in that uh, movie as Bane. I mean, do you have any inside track? Were you consulted on this? Were you an advisor on that? No, film? no, no. They what? You know, they, they hardly let writers near these movies, let alone a comic book writer. I, I think basically the trick was they, they just moved the camera down. Oh, <laughs> so the so camera was always looking up at him. <laughs> you just burst my bubble. 
Sorry. I actually, I actually thought Tom Hardy had like bulked up for that movie because well, he did, he did, he certainly bulked up, but but he he did. He, you can't get taller no matter how much you work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's a runt. I mean, yeah, so, him and Christian right. Bale both are not big guys. Now, see that I did not realize. Yeah. So that makes me feel good. I'm five foot nine. Maybe these, you know, I could take them on. So <laughs> let's move to your new project here. Tell us about the Ripperverse. Well, the Ripperverse is a is a comic book universe created by Eric July, who's uh, you know a musician and and sort of YouTube personality and everything else. He had this huge following. He always loved comic books, so he decided he was going to create a comic book company, and uh, he's been enormously successful crowdfunding. He's the crowdfunding king right now. He he wow. raises millions uh, for these comic book campaigns and. Um, Early on, when I saw what he was doing, I liked what he was doing. I just contacted him and said, look, I've seen so many people fail at this. If you ever need any advice, I can tell you everything not to do. And uh, But Eric's a smart guy. He didn't do any of those things. (laughs) He did did his homework. He succeeded uh, without my advice. But eventually, in talking, he said, would you like to write for me? And I'm like, yeah, what do you got? So how did you come up with Alpha Core? Well, he handed it to me. They're like super okay. cops. Yeah. Uh, and um, AlphaCore is based in Texas. It's based in a fictitious city called Floraspark. And uh, you have these three superheroes who are, you know, they are real cops. They're not like mass vigilantes with secret identities. They're public figures and they're public servants. And uh, he sort of handed me that, uh, do whatever you want. And, and I have these two villains I'd like you to use. And from that, it was it was all up to me. He said, just go crazy. Now, okay, so you got Alpha Core number one down. Yeah. And I have gone and looked at some of the interviews and looked at some of the background information. This has been wildly successful. I mean, yeah. you just released it in the last week or two, correct? Yeah. Nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna hit a million before the week's out, that's for sure. What's the success? What what do you attribute it to? Um, there's a war, there's an enormous population of underserved comic book readers who Marvel and DC literally chased away, literally said, we don't like you. We don't even want you reading our comics. And, th- but those people still want to read comics. Yeah. And, and the secret of the Ripperverse is I call them blue sky comics because they're optimistic. Yeah. They emphasize the, the, the positives of human nature. These heroes are real heroes. They take, you know, they take their own responsibility for their own actions. They're courageous. You know, uh, they take risks. And I think that's what people responded to. I mean, it, it goes back to Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. I mean, give give people what they want. Yeah. So I would tend to believe that in Alpha Core, there's not going to be any defunding of the police. No. No. <laughs> no, the cops are all heroes in this thing. <laughs> Well, that's just, you know, you're just uh, a racist. Yes, yes. Yes, I am, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, who cares? I mean, you know, this is what what I hate is, you know, even ESPN. Alan West called me a racist. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. No, hey, look, you know, let me tell you a funny thing. You know, know, I was the uh, former chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, and when I won the election, the, the Democrat Party of Texas put out a press release said that here we go again. The Republicans have, you know, elected uh, another racist to be their chairman. 
like, what a bunch of freaking idiots. Uh, I mean, and, I, and I actually, you know, sent them a picture and said, this is who you just called a racist. Look, yeah. anything that the progressive socialist left feels is a threat to them and what they're trying to do, their ideological agenda, they got to call you something. Being yeah. it racist, homophobe, Islamophobe, Christian even now. Uh, yeah. So I think that your success will be in the fact that you're delivering a product to people that, as you say, this is what they want. They don't want any more underlying messages. They don't want, you know, climate change to be the message. They don't <laughs> want defunding the police to be the message. They don't want uh, transgender, homophobe, or whatever, you know, characters. And, you know, Superman has a boyfriend. Or what They don't want any of this stuff. No. They no, just want it entertainment and, and I think that's what you deliver. So what's the future for Alpha Core? How many do you think that you're going to be producing? Well I have the one these things are these uh the first Alpha Core is like over a hundred pages long. These aren't your standard comic book. Uh wow. these are what called graphic novels. Okay. Uh, we have a uh, I have a follow-up book coming and then another one after that. And then uh uh Joe Bennett, the artist on Alpha Core and I will be returning to Alpha Core for an Alpha Core too. Well I will tell you something. Uh, I would love to get a hold of one of your Alpha Core uh, number one books, and uh, I don't whatever it costs. Uh, I'll make that happen. Well, I'll be happy to do it because, you know, I think that you represent the creativity and the honesty and the integrity that we need to restore in all industries that are out there. Get away from the ideological agendas. Just tell a good American story that can entertain people and they can rally to. So when you think about your legacy, because you've been doing this, what, three, four decades now? Yeah. yeah. What is the legacy you want to leave behind? What is, what, when people hear Chuck Dixon, what do you want them to remember? I just want them to remember the stories. I, I, you know, I don't want them to remember me. I've always been an invisible hand writer. I, I prefer that people enjoy my stories rather than think about me or, you know, what I did. I, I want to be in the background, you know, yeah. I want them to, to, you know, you know, enjoy Batman or Superman or SpongeBob SquarePants or whatever, whatever <laughs> it is I've written, yeah. uh, you know, not, not think about who did, who, who, who was behind it. So that's, that's my legacy. Who do you pass the baton to? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, the next time we talk, you got to tell us who, Will you pass the baton to? Because I think that's so important that we don't have that breakdown because I believe that that's one of the problems we see in America as overall is that we have not taken the responsibility to pass that baton to, you know, the subsequent generations and challenge someone. You know, folks always ask me, you know, how did you join the military? And I said, well, it was very simple. At the age of 15, my dad told me I'd be the first officer in the family because he was uh, an enlisted soldier in World War II, and my older brother was an enlisted Marine. So think about that, because yeah. what you have done and what you have been able to do and produce, I don't want to see it go away. And I, I want to make sure that there's someone that you are teaching, coaching, and mentoring to carry it on this incredible tradition. So as we close out this interview, Chuck, what would you like to tell to the listening audience here at the Steadfast and Law Program? Well, there, there are good comics out there. There are people creating good comics. Uh, you just have to take a look for them. Look at the crowdfunding 
look for comic creators that have been labeled Comicsgate as a pejorative. Yeah. Uh, and they're all producing top flight escapist entertainment. That's fun. Well, Chuck Dixon, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to share your thoughts, perspectives, and insights into the comic book world and industry. And once again, folks, go out there and get the Alpha Core series book number one through the Ripperverse. And especially you all here in Texas. Uh, I mean, this is set here in Texas. So I think everyone here in Texas should get an opportunity to learn more about AlphaCore and the Ripperverse. And is there a website that people can go to to follow you and to follow Ripper, Ripperverse and, and the AlphaCore series? Yeah, if you just look for Ripperverse, it's R-I-P-P-A-verse.com. Uh, everything's right there to get you started. All right. And folks, if you enjoyed this conversation I just had with Chuck Dixon, please click that like button and share it with others. And until next time. Keep a smile on your face, courtesy of men like Chuck Dixon. And always remain steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down.